Wow. Thank you all. Thank you, all of you. That is just outstanding. In your eyes, I am complete. It does bring up the question, what completes you? And I appreciated so much Steve's illustration earlier of the, uh, of the nano completed him for an hour or two. Um, I think most of us can relate to that. Most of us who are, uh, have some liking for stuff. But maybe it's not stuff for you. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a person. Certainly, I hope you feel complete or completed as the, uh, as the movie clip showed us from the movie Jerry Maguire. Um, I hope you feel completed by your mate. I hope he or she completes you. Of course, then that asks the question, is that going to be all the time? And am I always going to feel complete in this relationship? And, and that goes a little step further than what happens if that, something happens to that relationship. Death or, or divorce or, 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 or sickness or, or some other kind of thing. So when we think about this whole concept of, of being complete, and in your eyes I am complete, and, and uh, all my instincts, they return the great facade so soon will burn. In your eyes, I am complete. I don't know this. I would assume the writer of the song was, was singing to a, um, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a mate. Uh, don't know that for sure. We don't, we don't exactly know that. But, you know, one of the things I did find out is I, you know, artists, they have, they have this higher way of thinking, so I always check with them before I say something about a song and uh, to make sure I don't say something that will make me look like a total fool, which I do every Sunday anyway, but so anyway, at least where it comes to arts. But my question was, uh, to, to Steve specifically, was can I take this song and, 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 and really think this is really a song that I could sing to God? In your eyes, all my instincts, they return, the grand facade you know, I don't have to put a facade on around God. Without noise, without my pride, I reach out from the inside. In your eyes, the light, the heat. In your eyes, I am complete. I see the doorway to a thousand churches, the resolution to fruitless searches. Because, I mean, that is something that I could easily pray or sing in my own very uh, terrible way to God. So that's how I'm going to take it, just for our purposes. I'm not trying to rewrite the song. I'm not trying to, to rewrite the intent of the author. But um, I'm going to take it from that perspective, and I'm going to get you to kind of follow along with me in that little journey and to think along with me. What does that mean? And, and really, we, we talked in the subtitles called Discovering Inner Wholeness. I'm going to take that just a step further. Um, we discover in, inner wholeness, for lack of a better term, when we realize how God views those of us who have trusted him. And we may be at different places along that journey. Some of us maybe have trusted God a long time ago and have had a relationship in prayer and so forth with God for a number of years. For some, I know some here, it's, it's a new thing, and I know some here are still just sort of exploring that, that particular option. Well, this is as much for you as for anyone. Let me show you a, a quote that um, I have used before. It's been, a couple, it's been about a year or so. I've used a lot of Pascal. As I mentioned, I think, last week, I, I, I love Pascal. And uh, this is one of the great quotes, I think, that he's given us. There is a God-created vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only by God, the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ can't say it any better, and that's 
That's such a great statement. And I want to talk about that this morning, just for the few moments that we have here, and, um, and talk about it in, fact that, in, in the fact that when we, when we talk about in God's eyes, the person who trusts in him, the person who has, who has put their faith in God and, and in Christ, how, how does that work and what does that mean? So just kind of follow along with me on this, this journey, if you will. C.S. Lewis said this, and I think, it, I think it fits here too. I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun, not only because I see it, but because, I, because by it I see everything else. In other words, I, everything through this, through this lens of God and this lens of, of knowing Christ, I'm able to see what life is all about, and, and uh, at least for the most part. So I, I want to take you just on three, give you three thoughts and this whole under this whole theme of in God's eyes, those who, those who have trusted him, three thoughts, I'm going to go through them rather quickly, and then I'm going to do what I do, what I call the therefores. The therefores are as important because when we look at facts, we want to see what it's there for, you know? Well, I kind of learned in, 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 you know, in Bible study methods 101, whenever you see a therefore, you want to stop and you want to see what it's there for. So a um, little play on words, but it's truth. Um, in God's eyes, the person who trusts him, first of all, you're complete. You're complete. You say, what do you mean by that? Let me show you. This is kind of a, a, long, ver- a long passage from the Bible, but just, just stay with me. It's from the New Living Translation. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what it says. So we have stopped evaluating others by what the world thinks of them. Once I mistakenly thought of Christ that way, as though he were merely a human being, how differently I think of him now. What this means is that those who become Christ followers or Christians or whatever you want to say there, What this means is those who become Christ followers become new people, new persons. They are not the same anymore. For the old life is gone, a new life has begun. All this newness of life is from God, who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him, to God. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting, watch this, isn't this great? no longer counting people's sins against them. Boy, I need that. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. You're complete. You're complete. Doesn't mean you don't screw up. Doesn't mean you don't sin. Doesn't mean you don't have bad days, (laughs) bad weeks sometimes. Doesn't mean that. But it means you're complete in God. Now, I want to tell you this. I just want to keep moving because I want to show you three very simple thoughts and I'm going to, as I say, get, get to the therefores. So number one, you're complete. Number two, your sins are absolved. I like this point. I like this point a lot. I could really talk about this a long time. Um, Henry Miller, American writer, uh, <laughs> said this. I like this quote. It's silly to go on pretending that under the skin we are all brothers. <laughs> the truth is more likely that under the skin we are all cannibals, assassins, traitors, liars, hypocrites, poltroons, which is cowards. All right? A lot of truth to that statement. A lot of truth. We're all somewhere in there. The truth is, though, that's why Jesus came. Let me show you a passage that I love a lot from Colossians chapter 2. It says this, You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. It's for, the, for the person who's trusted Christ, your sins 
are absolved. You say, well, what about my future sins? You know, all your sins were future when Christ went to the cross. Think about that. Past, present, and future. Some people don't like that truth because some people will say, well, you can't say that as a minister. If you say that, people will go out and, 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 and sin anyway and sin all kinds of ways. And my response would be, oh. And they don't do that otherwise, huh? <laughs> what world are you living in? Uh, I've also found that there's a great incentive when you have the freedom of knowing if I do this, is this, is this going to be forgiven? It is. But there's also then a, a, a great incentive of a desire to please your God and your Lord. And people forget that oftentimes when they do that. More on this in a moment. But number one, you're complete in God's eyes when you trust him. Number two, your sins are absolved. Number three, it's a good part, you are accepted and loved unconditionally. You are accepted and loved unconditionally. Again, I want to show you from the Bible where it talks, there's many places, but let me show you in Romans chapter 5. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, no one is likely to die for a good person, though someone might be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In other words, it's not a matter of, well, I'm going to come to God and, and clean up my life and, and then trust, trust Jesus. Well, you're going to be a long time because that, it doesn't work that way. You come, you come to God as you are, you know, um, and you are accepted and you are, are loved unconditionally for who you are just because, that's, just because that's how God operates. You bring all your stuff to God. Now, over a period of time, some of that stuff is going to fall off, and you're going to become more and more what God wants you to be. But that doesn't mean you won't have setbacks. doesn't mean there won't be some certain things in your life that life that still, uh, still might, you know, kind of crop up every now and then. Okay, three things. In God's eyes, the person who trusts him, you're complete, your sins are absolved, you're accepted unconditionally by God. Now, what, where are the therefores? I'm just going to tell you. I don't have these on PowerPoint. I'm just going to tell them to you. And it's really four things, and there, there are a lot more than this, but I'm going to kind of summarize them in four things and then and show you where I'm going with this. First thing is this. Therefore, God doesn't see your sins. You're complete. Now, let me explain this a moment. That doesn't mean that, that, doesn't mean that, that God's pleased when we do something that's wrong or when we lie, steal, cheat, or whatever it is that, that, that we might do. That doesn't mean that God's pleased by that because he's not. But what it means is when God sees me, he doesn't see some petty, ridiculously hypocritical sinner boy, okay? Which I can be all those things. He doesn't see that. He sees the righteousness of Christ because of my trust in him. Now, does that mean that the sins that you or I might, I might commit are going to be okay? No, it's not okay. Because the things that we do wrong cause problems. They cause, they cause all kinds of consequences. They break hearts. It tears apart people. 
Doesn't mean that's okay, and that's not the point here. But the point is when God looks at me, he doesn't see all my imperfections. He doesn't see all your problems, all your insecurities, all the little problems that you got going on. And, and, and the fact that, you know, the other night you did this, and that night you maybe drank a little too much, or, or you did. He, he, does he, he died. He came to the cross and died, rose again, for forgiveness for all the things that we might do wrong. But when he sees us, he sees us as complete. There's a, there's a theological word for that, Okay. Now, I don't like to do this, but I'm going to do this. It's called positional sanctification. Okay? Sanctification means set apart, made holy. Positional means that is my position. Not always my practice, but my position. Let me put it to you like this. The day, 34 years, two weeks ago, that I put that ring on, my position changed. Okay? Okay? The day you got married, your position changed. You may not always act like it. You may screw up sometimes. You may have, you know, screwed up to the ultimate. That doesn't change your position. You know, and that's the issue. All of a sudden, most of us, I hope all of us, who are who are who who have entered this wonderful estate called holy matrimony, we act differently than we would if we weren't married. Hopefully, that's the case. If not, we need to talk. But um, why is that? My position has changed. Am I a different person? Not in this case. Um, is, is, does it mean that, you know, this, I don't have a desire for this or have a desire? Uh, there's all kinds of things. But the position has changed. So in a much greater sense, when we commit our lives to Christ, our position has changed. And he no longer sees us just as sinners. He sees us as complete people. Certainly we're imperfect, but God doesn't major in that. God majors on on who we are, quote-unquote, if I can put it this way, in Christ. So that's the first therefore. God doesn't see you and your sins. That's why he came. Okay, second thing, you don't have to do penance for your sins. I have this thing I do, and I have have a friend uh, that we we kind of try to talk to each other about food and stuff like that. And uh, and I and some of you know I run or walk or do both and stuff. Sometimes, I'll, I did it just the other day. I'll run twice in a day. And sometimes I'll change my normal time to work out to maybe do it in the morning or to do it at night, depending on what I had to eat, either the night before or that day for lunch. And I will te- I will tell. Um, anybody that asks, I, got, I have to go do penance for my sins, okay? And in this case, I literally mean that. I am doing penance for my sins because I'm going to go out feeling guilty because I ate too much and I need to go out and just, you know, obviously whether that really works or not, I don't know. It makes me feel better at the time and, and, and obviously it's not working great, but it's working some. Um, um, that's when literally you might do penance. Now, unfortunately, people take that into spiritual, in the spiritual realm. And unfortunately, sometimes people think, well, and I'll be careful with this illustration, and don't take it too far, okay? But so, sometimes people will say, oh, man, I've had a bad week, and, and man, I've, I've, I've done this, and I've lied a bunch, and I've stolen, I've, I've cussed like a sailor. I don't know why we say sailors, because a lot of other people cuss. You know, they obviously never been on a golf course, because those guys aren't sailors. But anyway, um, um, catch my drift. Um, but, you know, I've had a bad week. I've had a bad week. I need to go to church today. Now, let me just 
interject something. You know, I'm really glad when you come to church. I really like you coming to church, okay? So any, any way we can get you here, I'm pretty much in favor of. But at the same time, don't do that. Don't think that coming to church or I'm going to go read my Bible because I've been such a bad boy or a bad girl here for the last week. Don't think that that's somehow going to do something for, between you and God. I mean, it's a good thing to do. And hopefully there will be something that might happen between you and God. But if you're doing it strictly for that reason, well, I've got to go do this because of this, that's not the way God operates. With him, it's an internal thing. And you need to understand that. So when we start talking about this whole thing of, 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 of sins and he absol- he, our sins are absolved, you don't have to do penance for your sins. That's why Jesus came. That's what it means to trust in Christ. Christ came and paid the ultimate sacrifice for my sins for all time. And I'm thankful for that. It doesn't mean that I take sins, quote unquote, lightly. Sin means missing the mark. It doesn't mean that when I, when I make do these these things that can cause damage to people, that I take that lightly, I don't. But I'm very grateful at the same time that when those things do happen, whether it be an attitude or whether it be an action, that I have God's forgiveness already and I just thank him for it. Confess it to God. Don't need to confess it to, to me or, or anybody else. You confess it to God. You know, and, 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 and you can move on. You don't have to do penance for your sins. That's the second, therefore. Third, therefore... There is no safer place to let down your facade than with God. You ever had a desire that you could just be somewhere where you don't have to really put on any airs, you don't have to worry about, you know, how you look or how you act or, you know, crossing your T's or dotting your I's just the right way. Just be who you are. And somebody would just know who you are for who you are, not for what you say or not for what you don't say, but just know your heart. That'd be a great place to be. Hopefully you have that in some relationships. One place I know you can have it is in a relationship with God because he knows your heart. He knows who you are. He knows the core person. He knows the times that you're truly misunderstood. He knows the times when you intended to do this and you did this. God knows that. And there's no better place. That's why I like that. the words of that song, the great facade comes down because we don't have to put on a facade. with He knows anyway because he knows our hearts. He knows, our, he knows what, what we are. He knows the good parts and the bad stuff. And he still loves us anyway. It's a great thing to think on. There's no safer place to let down that facade than with God. The fourth thing, your relationship with God is not based on conditions. One of the very unique things about being a, a follower of Christ It's not about doing or not doing. I say that a lot, but it's so important. Every other religion in the world has to do with works. I've got to do this or I've got to do this. Sometimes it gets extreme. And uh, and, and it it can be very damaging at times. I've got something I want to read to you. Um, Your relationship with God is unconditional. His love and acceptance of you is unconditional. I want to read this. This is from a book which you really can't get anywhere but this one website. And that website is going to be on our um, action steps on our website. If you don't know what that is, just check out our website. You'll see action steps. The particular book's not going to be on there. The the, the action steps will be on there as soon as you get home. This particular um, 
this particular website won't be on until probably tomorrow, so where you can get this book. But it's a book called Miracle of Miracles by a, a lady who uh, lived in Iran and converted, um, really in a dramatic way, came, came to trust in, in Jesus uh, and, and, and God out of, um, out of Islam. And um, it's, an, it's an incredible story. And it tells you some of the oppression which is greater than you ever realized in many of these Muslim countries. I want to read a little bit of this to you, and I just edited it here so it won't take long. I want to read a little bit. I want to illustrate something to you. It's not, I'm not trying to, I'm not doing this just to, to put down the whole thing of uh, Islam or Muslims or what. I'm not doing that for that purpose because in some cases it, it's not just Muslims who do this. In this case, certainly it, it usually is in, the, in some of the things that they believe when you get into the Koran and some of the things about that. But um, let me just read this to you. This is a letter, first of all, that she wrote after she was able to basically escape, her and her husband basically escape from, uh, from Iran and got into Turkey. And she wrote this letter to her mother and father who were very devout Muslims. And I, I want, uh, there's a purpose here. I'm going to tell you what that is in a moment. You'll see where, where I'm, I think where I'm going. But she says, dear father and mother, I'm writing to let you know that we are alive and well in a nearby country. Couldn't say where. Father, I know that you remember all the questions that I asked you about God and, and the Koran. I found my answers in Christianity. It all started when I began reading the Bible that I found in the library. It spoke to me in a manner that all of the Islamic rituals never had. Shortly after that, I discovered that Manar, that's her friend, her, her uh, a, a, a girlfriend, was also a Christian, and I began to attend meetings with her. I was gloriously converted to Christ, and now I know that he lives in my heart. Four days before our marriage, I saw Javed at one of the secret Christian meetings. I had no idea that he had been converted shortly after returning from the Iraqi war. He, too, discovered that Jesus is far more than a prophet. He is the Savior of the world. Now that we are in a foreign nation, his, Jesus' personal presence, continues to be our source of strength. This letter is to let you know that we are alive in spirit as well as in flesh. Please accept me for who I am, a child of the living God who has Jesus, his son, in her heart, your loving daughter, Mina. She goes on to write in the book, and again, I'm just reading excerpts to you. She goes on to write in the book, The hardest blow of my life came two weeks after I posted that letter. In an effort to make sure that they had received it, I risked everything and called their home. I was relieved that mother answered the phone. From the moment of my hello mother, she initiated an interrogation, and she wept. My mother's outburst put me in a state of shock. It intensified as my father grabbed the receiver from her. Mina, listen very carefully to what I'm going to say. Your conduct has brought us great shame on this family. Since you foolishly sent that letter, the authorities now have your handwritten confession that you are a kafar, an infidel Christian. By this time, he was screaming over the phone. Father went on. It is now clear that you deceived us with many lies. From this point forward, you are not my daughter. And I am rejecting you. I have no child named Mina. No one in this household will ever be allowed to mention your name or speak of you or to you again. Do you understand? I have erased every memory of you from our home and our identity cards. You no longer exist. You are an ingrate girl. With that, he hung up on me. That's pretty heavy-duty stuff. I want you to know something. 
those of us who are followers of Christ, if we understand what the Bible teaches, we'll never, ever experience that. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it must be like to have a father or mother say, I never want to hear from you again. As far as we're concerned, you don't exist. Some of you may have experienced that, but one thing I do know, you will never experience that in a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Because the thing about God is, He loves us unconditionally. And you know, one of the things I tell people, and I have the opportunity to talk to a lot of people, a lot of different situations. You may not like this part that I'm going to tell you, but just stick with me. Sometimes I'll talk with people who are in the midst of some very difficult decisions. In some cases, those decisions may not be necessarily healthy for them. And one of the things I always tell them is I'd say, look, you shouldn't do this. This is going to cause a lot of consequences that are going to hurt a lot of people. But I want you to know something. Whatever you do, God will not think any less or any more of you. He will still love you just as much. That's the kind of God we serve. That's why Jesus came. That's why he gave us forgiveness. The unconditional love of God for his people. When we trust him, when we trust him, in his eyes, we are complete. In his eyes, our sins are absolved. And in his eyes, (laughs) we are unconditionally accepted and loved in a relationship with God through Jesus. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful. We are so thankful for your love and for your grace and for how you have worked and are working in our lives. And Lord, there are people here this morning in just many different spots along that road. And for some of us, we've, we've trusted in you a long time ago and we continue on that journey. But Lord, we're thankful for this reminder of your incredible, unconditional love for us even in spite of our failures and and misgivings at times. And Lord, some are still just kind of thinking about it. Help them to realize, God, that wherever they are, you love them no less. And you will love them no more when they come to faith in you. You will love us all just as much in your grace and your acceptance of us. We thank you for the forgiveness of of all of our screw-ups and sins and mess-ups and whatever else. And God, we thank you that in your eyes we are complete. Positionally, at least, we are complete as we come to know you and have a relationship with you, our God. Thank you for Jesus and that he came and and lived and suffered and died and went to the cross and then died and went to the tomb and rose again to give us eternal and abundant life. We thank you for that and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.